listening to episode 44, chapter 5 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And here we are, chapter five of this week. We've had a great conversation with John Opelouski, and I thought it would be a good idea to kind of review the entire week and to do so by way of going through the five steps we have at Daily Growth to create a lifestyle of discipleship. What we found was as we were having our conversation with John, uh, at the different points in the conversation, we were hitting actually on all five of our steps for creating a lifestyle of discipleship. And so uh, we thought it would be a good idea to review those five steps and talk about how they can actually help us create a lifestyle that uh, prevents and protects us from burnout. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what we're going to do this week. So um, let's talk about step one, knowing our identity. Uh, why do you think, Chris, it's important for us to know our identity as a way of uh, protecting us from burnout? Well, it seemed to be the theme that came up the most when it was when we were talking with John was that, um, you know, burnout comes as a result of doing, just doing, 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 and striving for something. And then, you know, as he was talking, it struck me that, like, the times that I've experienced burnout, and I don't think I've I don't think I've ever experienced burnout on the level like that he experienced as a as a pastor and so there are definitely other people that have experienced you know I think what I would call like true burnout but I've experienced uh maybe burnout with a little b um you know several times you know we just sort of have like little seasons of burnout um and uh but again it occurs to me that during those times I didn't quite know what I'm striving for. So anyway, I was mo- I, I I felt I needed to ask him that question, like what is it that drives us? And it really struck me that, you know, that's part of the problem is we don't often know what's driving us. Well, that not knowing what's driving us is the result of not knowing who we are. <laughs> and so just just by that that simple fact that we don't know why we are doing what we are doing means that we are not leading our lives from a place of of our identity of our calling um both in our calling of who Christ has created us to be just as beings and then as an extension of that our step 4 as far as serve with others in our vocational call um and it may it may be something like you you know you start out on your journey as you're you you are working and pursuing your vocation but um along the way we sort of get wrapped up into what that job or what that experience what that serving looks like and we forget about who we are and we have to keep that primary because again if we're if we don't keep that primary in in our focus and that's much easier said uh than it is done then we're going to inevitably uh go astray in in our pursuit of whatever it is that we do in life because it has to come from it has to come from that internal place of security in our hearts of knowing who we are in Christ. Yeah, I think back to our conversation with uh, Shundron Thomas. Actually, uh, the chapter that I'm thinking about is our, our most popular chapter of the podcast ever. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. are you secure enough to take a vacation? So many of us get so caught up in what we're doing that our identity becomes what we do. 
And so if you were to ask a pastor who's in the middle of burnout, who are you? The likely answer is, well, I'm a pastor who spends 80 hours a week doing work. Rather than I am a child of God who serves in the role of a pastor helping other people uh, walk more closely with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a huge difference between those two and the way that we actually live those out. And so if our identity is out of, out of whack we, and we have it misplaced in what we do, then we just have to do more and more and more because that's who we are. And yeah. that leads to burnout. Yeah, like what does it mean to live your life? You know, what, what, is that, what is that picture? And if that picture of what it means for you to live your life can't include the things that you're doing today and, and, the, and just being like very simple, even leisurely activities, and instead you're thinking like what it means to live a good life is some picture far into the future, um, you're going to suffer from burnout because, again, that picture is never going to be attained. And then if you can reach all of those goals, you can check off all of the things. And again, this is well documented from all the most quote unquote successful people. Um, it becomes extremely dissatisfying to actually reach those goals. That is when people go into the biggest depressions is because they've reached it and they feel like their life is meaningless and empty now because they've achieved everything. And, um, I, I think that's I think that's going to play into a big part. So unless you can actually see your life as in like whatever you're doing now, and again, I guess we have to dissect that because I guess that could include like my checklist of to do things for today. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's not what I'm trying to do. But like, if you can't just go on a walk and that be included in your um, vision of what it means to live a good life, I think I think that could be a warning sign of of stuff that's going to go wrong. Okay, so let's look at steps two and three kind of together. I like what we where we ended with uh, with John on chapter four, talking about the the practices of uh, the internal disciplines and then the external disciplines. And we've really started looking at steps two and three together in that way. Step two is practicing the basics, and it's those internal disciplines that we have uh, that we put into practice between w- with God. It's just just us and God, and those are things like Bible reading, prayer, journaling. Um, those inward inhaling disciplines. And then we have uh, our step three, walk with someone. And really what we mean by this is practice external disciplines with other people. And so these are things like um, confession or hanging out and having coffee, reflecting with another person on what God is doing, testimony and, and things like that. And so really these, these two steps work well together for just kind of talking about the practices that we put into place both with God and with others to help us create a healthy lifestyle of discipleship. Uh, so Chris, what, what do you think is probably the most important way to look at what it means to practice spiritual disciplines? to help prevent burnout or really just to create a healthy lifestyle? Uh, I love the word rhythm um, when, it, when it comes to all things discipline because uh, I, I guess I liked the way Adele Calhoun talked about rhythm in our episode with her all the way back at the beginning of 2019 um, because, again, there are like there are dozens and dozens of spiritual disciplines, but rhythm sort of says, what do I need and when do I need it? 
And so I think I think putting into place rhythms of spiritual disciplines has to be the most important thing that we do because again I think there are seasons where I think you're going to need more bible reading and more prayer perhaps there are other times when you will need more um like actual solitude and silence and maybe more journal reading there will be uh, on and on and on I get there there are dozens I don't want to go through through each of them but those are sort of like the four ones that we like to emphasize the most um, yeah. Yeah. Again, at least they're the, the they're the they're the big. They have to be in there somewhere to help. You know, I, I think guide this internal journey. Um, so yeah, that that those those I think would be the most important ones. And then again, setting a rhythm to do them uh, r- routinely to evaluate your life and uh, to bring you back to a place of of center. Um, so I guess I would ask you the same question, though, but what is it when it comes to external disciplines? How do you feel? So I've found in my own life that there's a lot about who I am and what I do that I just can't see when I'm looking at things by myself. I tend to, to be very um, negative toward myself, and John talked about that a bit. When you, when you have this negative self-talk, you can... Uh, it's really just as bad as taking a jab at somebody else and tearing somebody else down. And he, I think he even went so far as to call it uh, a sin. <laughs> and so that's what I tend to do when I'm by myself. I get really locked inside my own head. I, I really go down into a deep, dark hole. And I have to have others around me uh, to help bring perspective to my life in those situations. And so for me, um, just the, the spiritual discipline of confession, telling another actual human being my faults, my flaws, and, and the things that I've done is a way for me to kind of bring those things to light. And it's not, not in the sense that telling them all of a sudden changes um, kind of my, my guilt or innocence standing, because it, it still is what it is. But what it does is it gives voice and it gives a, a name to uh, my weaknesses, my flaws. And that's something that I'm finding that I'm, I'm a little hesitant to do when I'm on my own. But if I can give those things a name, if I can give them, uh, if I can shed some light on them, all of a sudden in that moment then, God comes down and his grace is there for those, those faults and those flaws. And so for me, uh, the external discipline of, of confession is is really helpful for that for that because it keeps me it, it keeps my perspective on on God's grace and for the times when I was getting close to to burnout again I'm kind of like you I don't know if I was ever in capital B burnout but I was definitely in a, a little B burnout um, the the presence of somebody else with me during those times can't be um, can't be overstated as, as to its value. I mean, Chris, having you there with me to, to talk through things, having uh, my pastoral coach there to talk through things, and uh, most importantly, having my wife there to talk through things with, um, it, I don't think I could have ever made it through those difficult times without somebody walking with me. And then, you know, to to not to take the focus off me a little bit, there's there's also these practices of uh, things like corporate worship and um, coming together and celebrating 
uh, who we are as the body of Christ. Those things as well help us kind of get a perspective on who we are. It takes the focus off of us and puts it onto God, which is where all of our focus really belongs all the time anyway. And so both of those things, I think, are really important for helping us to not only um, heal from burnout, but to avoid it altogether. Um, We typically tend to, like we already mentioned, get so wrapped up in our identities being doing, doing, doing. And when when we engage in these practices with other people, when we step three, walk with someone, it helps mitigate some of the, the risks that are involved in doing all the time. Yeah, I was, I was reading a book by uh, Henry Nouwen recently, and he summarized these two points, I think this internal and external disciplines, uh, really well with talking about the singular discipline of solitude and why solitude is the most important discipline for us to cultivate. Uh, and then, I, so I think it's especially applicable to us here because, again, if you cannot be yourself in solitude in, with God doing nothing, um, then you don't know who you are. So, like, again, if you really want to challenge and you want, really want to try to discover who you are, find solitude. And I'm not talking about like an hour or two, even by yourself. I mean, but like real solitude. And this is something that I've been wanting to you know undertake for a while too is to actually do like a real solitude retreat but um there there are places he talked about it's essentially it's cultivating a true place of solitude in the heart so that you can then take that solitude with you because it's in that place where god speaks to you you quoted from gordon mcdonald um, earlier this week on uh, ordering your private world. It's this idea of our private world, cultivating who we are so that God can speak to us. Well, he went and said then, the next part is community. And he says, because the same part that God speaks to us in the solitude is the same part that he speaks to us through the community. Why? Because each of us in the community have that place of solitude being cultivated. And so then when we gather together, it's like, I have this vision of us having like these little little bubbles that we carry around with us, okay? And then when we get together, they all combine and make this one big giant bubble in which now God it can speak to us. It becomes it becomes our shared private solitude space where God is speaking to all of us. And so I'm sorry if that the analogy isn't correct. I mean, it's just this is sort of the image that I have here. And so it's it what really struck me is that they're the same place. Is that yeah. God is using the things that he is speaking to you in your solitude to speak to me in mine. And that is why we need each other. Because if I just rely on me, I'm going to miss something. Because I, it's not that God isn't trying to say something to me. It's just that I cannot always hear what God is trying to say. I'm not ready for it. But you're ready for it, perhaps. And so I, I'm much more likely to listen to you or to see something that you're doing or see something that you're saying uh, because I can experience you with all five of my senses in a way that I can't experience God. And so, again, that's something that we have to develop to, you know, be able to experience God. Um, and, but that's why we need each other. And that's why God uses all of us to, to speak to each other. And so I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that's a great segue into our step four, serve with purpose. Each one of us have a, a creation and a calling in life. Um, like our pastoral coach likes to say, it's a Jeremiah 1.5 calling where God formed us and he created us. He knows the way that we, he's wired us to work. 
And in that, out of that place of, of calling and, and creation, we can serve those around us. It's why we were created. And so, like you're saying, in the body of Christ, <clears throat> each of us serve a, a purpose for those around us, not only in the body of Christ, but for those outside the body of Christ. So how do you see serving with purpose as helping protect us from burnout? Because it's, <laughs> it's not something that, that you would think intuitively would help us stay away from or avoid burnout because it's more doing. Mm-hmm. So let's say, let's just do it with an illustration. Because I, uh, I loved John's story about when he left the pastoral world and entered the corporate world and then find himself, found himself pastoring uh, people who, you know, weren't saved. And again, you yeah. know, he said he realized, oh, wait a second, people who don't know Jesus need a pastor as well. Uh, I think that is the best demonstration of vocation because— as we've talked with other guests on the on the podcast who've helped us understand vocation, uh, Dr. Charlie Self is comes to mind. Shundron Thomas also talked to us about this, but uh, Dr. Self was our seminary professor, and so learned a lot from him early on. But again, he talks like our vocation doesn't change; our occupation can change. And so, in that case, John's occupation changed. He went from uh, pastoring full time to working in a corporate business world, but his vocation didn't because he was still called to pastor and shepherd people. And again, the occupation has changed again. Now he's doing coaching, but he's still pastoring people. Again, so it's the, it's the same call that he's had. And, and that becomes the driving thing in, in his entire life. I mean, there might be times when we have to step back from certain jobs or occupations, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, but our vocation uh, doesn't change. And so here, here's the illustration is... Think about, you can have two pastors. One pastor stands up on Sunday morning, or, you know, actually let's start the week before, he's preparing a sermon, he stands up on Sunday morning, he's presenting it. Throughout the week, he's meeting with people, talking about that sermon, dealing with needs in the community, and then preparing the sermon and rinse and repeat. One pastor can say, oh my goodness, I've got all this stuff to do. It's just constantly, I'm having to read and write new things every single day. And people are just coming to me and whining to me all the time about their lives. And I mean, goodness gracious, my marriage is in crisis too. I can't, you know, and these people are talking about they can't get along with their kids, man. I got, I got teenagers in school that don't even want to talk to me. How am I supposed to help, you know, deal with those things? And then you can have the other pastor and they can be experiencing the exact same thing but they can say, oh my goodness, man, I've got all these people that are coming to me each and every day. I'm not equipped to help these people. I've got to like, I've got to dig deeper into, into what scripture says. I've got to spend more time in prayer because I know I'm not sufficient for this thing. And my, 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 what an opportunity it is that I literally just get to read the Bible and stand up on Sunday morning and, and preach to people as my job. Like this is an incredible calling and experience that I get to have. Uh, you know, Maybe those are overblown, and it's to make the point that I think perspective matters when it comes to our calling. And so, like, what are the things that you're doing? And the why behind those things is going to really demonstrate where your calling comes from. And so, if you're that first guy who says, Look at all this stuff that I have to do, you're on the path to burnout. But if you look at all those things as being the extension of your calling and, and it's your opportunity to serve others, that's going to be your joy to do those things. And so um, without going much deeper, because we could go into all kinds of uh, 
depth on that, but I don't want to get in, into that. But I think that would be the way that I would, I, I guess I would summarize the difference between those two and then how really grasping your calling could help you avoid burnout. Which goes back for me to identity. Um, if your identity is wrapped up in what you do, you're probably missing your calling. If it's rooted in Christ, you're more likely to have a good understanding of what your calling is and then to do out of that calling, to to serve out of that calling rather than to serve to try to fulfill whatever identity you think you have in whatever occupation you may have. And that's why yeah. I... I'll give you one other example real quick. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, just Shundron Thomas, right? Because he, he's, he's a corporate business world guy. His calling is to... Um, you know, uh, manage investment portfolios and stuff like that, all kinds of stuff. And I cannot imagine doing that for a living of just like staring at numbers on a screen and doing whatever he does. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like a good, that does, I, I would be misery for me. Uh, it doesn't matter how much money I might or may not be making at that. It just is not me, but that's him. And that's great that that is him. Cause we need people like him. <laughs> yeah. And so vocation doesn't also have to be just ministry. It, it, I just wanted to highlight what you're saying yeah. there about knowing who you are in Christ is it takes shape in different ways in each of our lives. Yeah. And that's exactly what John found when he left being a pastor, moved to the corporate world, felt defeated, felt like his identity had been taken away from him. And then it, really in that place, God used it to show him his calling as a pastor, mm-hmm. regardless of whether he was quote unquote in ministry or not. All right, last one, step five, real quick. Uh, We have a call to make other disciples, to replicate ourselves. One of the ways that I think this applies really well to preventing and avoiding burnout is that we can't do that. We can't actually fulfill that part of our lives if we are totally and entirely burnt out. Now, this one may not help us avoid burnout? It may. It may. We can talk about that here in a second. Um, But I think it's something that we can kind of put in front of us as a reminder that um, the purpose for for doing all of these things is, first off, to to bring glory to God. But we also bring glory to God by sharing His glory with other people and allowing them to see the beauty of our Creator and our Father. And so we have a, we have a purpose in staying healthy in life. And we have a reason to know our identity, to practice the basics, to walk with someone, and to serve with purpose. And it's really to share God's glory. And as we, as we practice doing that, we will make other disciples. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've come to see number five. I like to think of it as sort of the natural outflow of the first four steps. Um, you know, none of these steps have to happen in a particular order other than step one. But it, it, if you were practicing the first four, I think five will inevitably happen. But I, I like what you're saying, right, is, is five becomes, it, it can be a purpose in and of itself. I guess the reason why I like to think of it as an outflow is because so much of my childhood, and I know many others, have been characterized by this um, obligation to make disciples as if like, that's the real measure of what it means to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. So like if you, and again, it usually takes form of evangelistic 
outreach. And so if you're not actively going out there and getting new people saved, then you're a lesser Christian. And um, evangelistic stuff has, it's, it's an incredibly important part of what it means to make disciples. Um, but, it, but like we like to articulate too, it's also helping disciple other people who may already know Christ. And so uh, in, in, a lot, in a lot of ways, right, daily growth discipleship is our step five outflow. This is a part of our life that's, yeah. that's flowing out and hopefully helping make other disciples um, out, out there. And so it, it, it's, it, again, we're not getting paid for this thing. This is something that we're just doing because we feel like we feel this internal fire in this calling to, to do this. And I, you know, we really can't explain why other than, um, that. And so, uh, I, I think, I think burnout, if, if we recognize though, that making disciples is part of our identity, just like everything else, and it becomes part of our vocational call to follow Christ. That is their first and foremost vocation is to, is to be a Christ follower. Um, well, then to make, to make other disciples is the natural outflow of that. So um, yeah, keeping that perspective in mind, I think both as an outflow first of what it means to follow Christ, and then as a purpose to, to basically, I, I like to say the purpose of discipleship or, or to make other disciples, to, to think about it like that, is to make sure that we're paying attention to the opportunities that come along. Because those opportunities will present themselves, and so I think our job primarily is just to make sure we don't miss them when they do come. Thanks so much for listening this week, guys. Uh, We really enjoyed this conversation with John Opelouski, and if you want to find out more about his work and what he's doing, be sure to go to convergecoach.com. You can also find him on Facebook and check out the excellent work that they're doing to help leaders and pastors not only avoid burnout, but to recover from it and to have a healthy lifestyle, which like we've just said in this chapter, goes along really well with what we're aiming for here with Daily Growth Discipleship. We want to help everybody create a lifestyle of discipleship. And doing that means creating healthy patterns in our lives, not only in spiritual disciplines, but in everything that we do. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about John's work, check out convergecoach.com. If you like what you've heard this week, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast player you use. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.